The Eternity Podcast Network. EternityPodcasts.com.au Fatherhood still is the most difficult thing that I've done in life. After 12 years, some days I still feel like I don't have a clue. But it's getting easier. Or at least I'm learning to cope with the challenges that it brings along the way. I'm Brett Farrell, and this is Fatherhood. I've been talking to fathers to see how they handle this thing called fatherhood, because through sharing our stories, we all become better. This is a monthly podcast, so please subscribe, and each new episode will find its way to your favourite podcast player. Be encouraged by the stories and share them with your friends, because as the Beatles sang, it's time to come together. In this episode, I talk to Adrian Smith, who has recently become a father, but it wasn't plain sailing. The very thing that your wife desires is the very thing you can't give her. Adrian is a pastor at Northside Church in Sydney, Australia, who, with his wife Claire, is going through the adoption process. You look back and you go, if, if, I, if that had to happen, that thing that I planned, like we wouldn't have this. Yeah. After years of trying to have a child, Adrian had to confront some serious truths. I remember having a bath one night and just sobbing in the bath, just yelling. I'm Brett Farrell, and this is Adrian Smith. There's no doubt in my mind, in anyone's mind, you're a father. But your journey to get there was a little different than most. I mean, you've, you've chosen an adoption path. What was the reason for choosing adoption? Like many people in this country and world, tried to have a child for five years and just couldn't. So we went through that process of looking at IVF and doing all the tests that you do to find out why is this not working. And then basically we're given subpar news. But how do you figure that? I mean, I guess, you know, couples marry, they try for kids. Some people take longer than others to conceive. How do you get to a point where you go, maybe we better check something out here? I think it was two years in. I can't quite remember now. Yeah. We went to the doctor earlier and they just said, I think it was a two-year period is kind of the, that's what they give people nowadays. Okay. If it's not happening, maybe come and we'll do some tests and see right. what. So, for some friends, they just changed their diet significantly and that was that was the factor that helped them. And so, we just kind of went down that path to see, okay, well, what's, what's going on here? And then it just unraveled into, well, it's going to be difficult. And so, we tried heaps of things and then... We've got so many friends that have been through IVF and it's such an intrusive, intrusive procedure. Yeah. Even the point to which you actually try IVF, it's like the doctor's appointments are intrusive. Yeah. Like it's bare all. Like, <laughs> so sick. And it's, it's horrible. It's really yeah. horrible. And it's horrible. Like my heart broke every month because the woman has a monthly reminder that it's not happening. Yeah. And so as a guy, you're there going, well... And then we found out that it was on my side, not the female side. And that's the first assumption people make is that it's always the female that may have issues. But yeah. for us, it was on my side. And so guilt sets in and, you know. Why guilt? Well, the very thing that your wife desires yeah. is the very thing you can't give her. Like, that's horrible. And so month in, month out, you get a reminder that no, it's not happening. Of all the things that guys don't talk about, infertility is the most taboo. As a young man, to be confronted with the fact that you're unable to produce children, 
and then dealing with the pain of not having kids how you hoped? I wondered if they ever thought about giving up on the dream of becoming parents. I mean, sometimes when you're on a holiday and you think kids would just ruin this moment. That may, <laughs> may, <laughs> Every father ever. <laughs> Maybe like, ah, oh, this double income, no kids thing's pretty good. But um, no, that was never an option for us. We'd all, Claire's, Claire's a, Claire's a mom, like seeing her now in this mode yeah. is just incredible. And so that, that was never a discussion. And how was she to hear that? I mean, I, I mean, I guess probably supportive, but how, how was Claire during hearing this? I was devastated because we both, the, the, the thing that we wanted would seem to be getting further away, not closer. Mm. The but, longer we tried, the yeah. further away it got. And so, um, yeah, she was, she was heartbroken, but a loving, supportive wife goes, okay, well, what's the next step? What do we do next? What's, what's that like? Do you, you get the results back, obviously, and the mm. doctor says, no, sorry, I've got some news for you. Mm. Is, is Claire with you at the doctor's at the time, or do you have to go home and share the, share the results? No, I, was, I went on my lunch break to the doctor to get this news, not thinking be, yeah. <laughs> that it wouldn't be great news. And I sat in the car and cried for a long time. And then when, and I called Claire and I said, you know, doctors is giving us this news that, you know, basically I, I don't think I've got the material to help in this. Yeah. Not to be so like straight in this answer. <laughs> um, yeah. Honey, it's me. It's not you. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Exactly. That news yeah. that this is, this is going to be, difficult um was there any of a conversation about well maybe we should because you you're at a stage in life where you're young mm. um no kids is there any ever conversation about well maybe i i we should just call it a day uh there's definitely conversations where you're like well what is this where does this leave us yeah okay is the reason we're together just to have kids or is it more than that and so you there's definitely been times in our relationship where we've had, we need to really fight here, yeah, and fight hard. How do you how do you step through that? Oh, it's messy. We always wanted to be transparent because there's people that don't talk about it. Shame gets attached very quickly to something like this. Did you have to work through the shame you just mentioned? There is that yeah. something you had to unpick? Yeah, that's that's probably still ongoing. There's a lot of there's a lot that goes into that thought of it was different to what I how I hoped it would be. Yeah. I don't I remember when it first happened, I there was a period there where in this fight that I talk about in our relationship, there was a period there where I just kind of went into my shell and didn't we weren't communicating well. And it got to the point where Claire sat me, <laughs> Claire sat me down. You got to make a decision here because you can't keep living like this. And she was very straight and a loving wife. And I'm very thankful for that conversation. And I was, a, I was just an awful husband at that time. No, I just was a recluse. I just didn't You weren't engaged. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. engaged. I was there, but I was, just wasn't there. The fight was for that, just to, to come out and go, okay, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what this what I try and attach to this is what it says about me. It's that's not who I am. It's easy to understand why Adrian checked out. 
I'm pretty sure I would have too. I'd not want to face up to that life-changing news. It challenges all stereotypes and concepts of manhood, and then there's the frustration of all that trying, and it was all in vain. During that whole period, Mm. did you see your prayers changing? Yeah, they stopped for a long time, and then they changed, and it was sometimes they'll... They involved words that I probably shouldn't use often in praying, but yeah, they they've changed a lot. You've were you angry at God? Ah, oh, so angry, so angry. I don't know if I was angry at God, but I was angry. The circumstances, yeah. At least. I remember having a bath one night and just sobbing in the bath, just yelling, just yelling at God. I was just like, "What the heck?" Like, yeah. And that whole sentence, this is unfair. And I think coming out of that, the best thing that I realized was sometimes they're the best prayers you can pray. Yeah. They're honest, aren't they? Honest. That's all God wants from us is just like, what are you actually feeling right now? Where are you at? Like, let's let's have that conversation. Yeah. Rather than try and put poetic language around heartbreak. (laughs) It's just, and so I think my prayers have evolved just to know that like God actually wants God wants me to communicate in the mess. Yeah. And communicate the mess. Tell me how you really feel. If you look through Psalms, like the language of the day is David's heartbroken at this stuff and he's saying, God, how how dare you be so lousy? Yeah. And so for me that was what I was saying. Like, it's a bit lousy really. Yeah. I've questioned everything and I'm still here and I'm still moving forward. So What's the future look like for you now? What do you see in the future? How does that look? Project five, ten years in. What's your, what's your life look like? Palm trees and mocktails on a beach. Um, I don't know. I stopped doing that. So why is it you've stopped thinking about the future? It's a good question. For many years, like we planned, we're going to have kids this time and then yeah. we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then when that all didn't happen, it's like, well, you can't really plan for <laughs> you can't really plan for anything. Through that whole journey and that whole battle, I would say, I realized more and more just how my own plans, this hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Now that this boy's come into our care, you look back and you go, if if I if that had to happen, that thing that I planned, like we wouldn't have this. Yeah. With this incredible moment that we have. If God had granted me that prayer... How immature that would have been, like we would have been in a much different place. It shook me that Adrian seemed to have given up on his dreams and now accepts what comes his way. Unmet expectations can be crushing, but even though the wind was taken out of his sails, he's now a dad. His heart's desire. It just wasn't how he planned. What do they train you for? Because, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a dad too and I never got train so what, what, what's that about <laughs> it's it's more around um they talk about adoption what it is yeah how it works in australia they sell you the good and the bad okay um they often have people come in well for us they had people come in that uh had people that have been adopted yeah um parents that have adopted and so they tell their story and what their process was like and so you get a good understanding of okay these Often it's about the backgrounds as well. So these kids are coming from broken families. They're in this for a reason. So you get told all that. And then basically at the end, it's like, so 
do you want to go ahead? And then you go to the next stage and yeah. What surprised you when they, in that session? Um, I think it was our heart broke a little bit in that because they're talking about, I think the stat was at that point, 80,000 kids across the country in care. So, and what they call is out of home care at the moment. Mm -hmm. So 80,000 kids displaced from, from their biological family. And so that for us was like, wow, this is like these, these kids need love and support. And so that was probably one of the main things. I think when there was an adopt, uh, a girl that had been adopted, she came in and um, she had been all over the news because her um, birth mother had left her at the hospital. Oh, And she was telling that story and she was just this beautiful girl. And to hear that, it was just like, oh, this 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 process works this is this is a really beautiful thing and um just to see her happy and smiling after such a rough start to life was really cool what's it like from your side of the fence when you walk out of that room and you think oh what do you reckon um although it's confronting we still had such an incredible piece about it that yeah. we're just like this is this is part of it this is part of our journey and so we talked about, you know, there was the question. Actually, I don't think there was ever the question, do you want to go ahead with it? It was just the assumed that we were on that journey and that's where we're headed. Yeah. Um, but then it's just the paperwork every week for a long period of time. You're like you're at a doctor or you're putting your finance records together or you're there's, there's just so much to it. They Ooh. know everything about us. I can understand they might want to know your financial position, so whether or not you can take care of a child. Mm. The, the medical records, what's that about? Full medical. It was very surprising. Like a fitness exam or something? Yeah. Which, that's that's the part where you just go, this is odd. No other parent would have yeah. to have, a, <laughs> you know, like, and yeah, it's weird. It's super weird. But again, the whole idea of adoption is is around the child. And so- mm. They just want to know, are you going to have a heart attack a week in and then this kid's going to be displaced again? Or yeah. I, I think they just want to say, what's the longevity of this relationship look like? And are we setting this kid up for success? I, I think that's the goal of it. And so you kind of just go through going, it's part of the process. You're it's nice to know that we're fit and healthy. got <laughs> <laughs> medical out of it as well. I guess we know that it worked for you. You, you mm. were... Uh, is it gifted a child, given a child, presented with a child? Um, we saying? became prospective adoptive parents. Prospective adoptive? What, there's another hurdle? Yeah, there's so... Wow. So we've been placed with this little boy. So there's two ways you can you can adopt. One is okay. voluntarily the kid is put up for adoption. So 18-year-old girl, Let's. this is a complete example, 18-year-old uh, girl says, I can't care for this kid, but I don't want to abort. Yep. So I'm going to put it up for adoption. So that's voluntary adoption. Or else it's um, involuntary adoption where the kid has been removed from um, a, an environment of harm. Right. Um, and so so from now, basically, uh, this little boy's in our care. And then for the next little while, we go through the process of building a report um, to submit to the minister to say, um we should adopt this boy. And the facts, uh, family and community service work with us to do that. So they say, um, this this couple should adopt this child. Do the birth parents at this point still get to see the child? Is that, does that, mm. what? Yeah, so. <laughs> Hang on. Let me just frame this. For, because of circumstances, the child 
is placed for adoption, ultimately, sorry, placed into care, then ultimately placed with you and your wife, Claire. Yeah. But the parents still see the child. Yeah. How does that work? Uh, Hang out in a park, basically. No, so um, they've done a lot of study into this. And so if you look around the world, there's closed adoption, which historically it has been, where it's you adopt a child and then at 16 you might say, just need to tell you a little secret, um, you're adopted. Ta-da! Ta-da! Like it ruins ruins someone's identity. And so what they've – and, of course, the stolen generation in Australia too plays a huge part into this. Yeah, okay. And so what they've found is that from a a kid and their identity, knowing where they've come from, knowing – the circumstances around it is the best thing for them to form a healthy identity of who they are and a healthy attachment. And so- But does that work practically? I mean, you, okay, so you, you go to a oh, park- That's super weird, yeah. Where you say, hi, parents. Yes. Birth parents. Yeah. That's- Have fun. <laughs> yeah, so we, <laughs> we sit in a park. I think it was, it was really confronting. So we've done two visits now because yeah. it was so fresh. The first visit was very confronting because so the process is when you get told that you've been placed with a child, you get a profile, you get told all about birth parents' background, everything like that. And so you have an understanding of where they've come from and what challenges they've had. And so when you go to meet them, you have this in the back of your mind. You're like, I I know a fair bit about you. They don't know as much about us. Um, but the thing that for us was it wasn't intimidating in a way of this is this is our boy's birth parents. It was more I understand everything you've been through to get to this point and that breaks my heart that A, you don't have your boy in your care. Like that's that's horrible for any parent as you yeah. you'd know. And and yeah. so we kind of went into that going how do how do we love these people the best we can like how do we how do we show that we care even though the circumstances are just so weird the adoption process is much harder than i ever imagined i thought it was just taking in a child in need having heard this i don't think i could adopt and i was open to it But the idea of having ongoing contact with those who gave up a child and yet remain in the child's life is too much for me. But I guess that will bring forward dads like Adrian, who can love in spite of the circumstances. So, all a bit weird, but seven (laughs) weeks ago you picked up up your son from... I guess foster care then? Yes. Picked up your son from foster care and you jump in the car and you drive home. Mm. What's that moment like for you? Such a bittersweet moment. I think um, for us, for us it was the most joyous moment. Like this is something we've been on a five-year journey for, mm-hmm. this desire to have a, have a child. And so um, for us this was the moment of like, God's answered our prayers and this is this is incredible. But then you look in the revision mirror and you see this little boy that we're still a stranger to him and we're driving him home. We're as happy as Larry, but 
And so our heart kind of break broke in that moment because we're like, this this boy is being taken from all that he knows. And so we we're driving home going, again, this we're so happy, but gosh, we need to care for this kid because he doesn't really know what's going on at this point. And yeah. And so it's it's a weird feeling. When we got home, he was fine. He's definitely had moments less now, but there was definitely moments where you're like I can I can see something's going on for you. You're yeah. upset and it's not it's not a reasonable response to just waking up like you you're quite upset and you can see you can see there's something going on and the only thing you can think is that they're having a sad moment and so you just cuddle a little longer and yeah it's weird because sometimes it's you parents let's say somewhat opposite to what you would when it's your biological child and you've had since birth because um you your aim is a clingy child whereas it's kind of the opposite when it's a biological child yeah um you don't want clingy you want an independent child that because you know there's that attachment but we we do everything that we can to try and get a clingy child because we don't want him just going up to a stranger saying take me home like that's what happens yeah, yeah. it's normal for random people yeah to take me home. so um so there's a lot that that we do that's really intentional yeah. that would probably look weird to other people but we want attachment as strong as possible and the best thing is that he's got a really healthy attachment and has yeah. has attached really well but you know there's there's things i think all fathers do that seem weird that's true <laughs> so i think you guys probably, probably one of the most normal things about your circumstances is you just got to figure it out like everyone does yep. right just guesswork now i sit in the normality of life with a little boy in our house and yeah it's cool has anything surprised you about being a father oh so much i think i think the normality is the surprising part <laughs> It's just, it just keeps going. Life doesn't think the normality of life and just how, I mean, I've always babysat kids and been like, it's just now it's just, that's every day. And so I think for us, like we're only seven weeks in and that's a weird thought. It feels like we've just been doing it forever. Yeah. Okay. Which is a lovely, a lovely thing. And keeps getting fun and challenging and we get to, like know this little boy and his quirky personality and does he speak it he says bits and pieces mum dad what's that feel like the first time he said that what was that like yeah first oh, time amazing. he said dad incredible that's like it's a moment I've dreamt about for years and years and then get this little boy in our house and he's saying dad 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 and I was away for a couple of days with a church thing and I got back and I walked into the house and the first thing he did, he was just this biggest smile and then grabbed both hands around my neck and just nuzzled in and kissed me like that. That was special. That was Adrian Smith and how he became a dad. I don't feel different to Adrian in many ways, except for the obvious. I didn't adopt my kids. But I do feel that he was better prepared to be a father. I remember lots of classes about what to expect during the birth, but there were none about my role as a dad. We need more help than being left to figure out fatherhood from TV shows and our own experiences. You'd have to get your dad jokes 
all polished up too now. I've had six years I've written a book on dad. No, that's. <laughs> oh, well, I want to buy it. It'll probably improve mine. <laughs> no, so there's dad jokes to be had. Yeah, it's. But even saying that, like saying I'm a dad, still feels super weird. Like it's. That's a strange sentence to put together. Thanks to the show's producer and editor, Loretta Farrell, to Northside Church for the room to record in, and to Claire and Adrian for letting us tell their story. I'm Brett Farrell, and this is Fatherhood. You've been listening to the Eternity Podcast Network. Eternitypodcasts.com.au